Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday Suckage, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you. Three hours of romping, stomping, dynamite, and bitchin' sports talk. You know what? I have not used that word for so long, Mark Grody, but you and your podcast and summer songs that we'll get to when we do Wegner got me thinking about, that's like, that might be my all-time favorite summer word, bitchin', because it was in every high school yearbook message I signed. Be stay a bitchin' chick, have a bitchin' oh. summer. That's where that word is, and then you started it. I blame you. That's fantastic. Our yearbook exchange growing up in Chicago, for whatever uh. reason, was it was K I T, which was keep in touch. So K period, uh. I period, T period, and sometimes you'd put your phone number down there. This is like a junior high. Keep in touch. See you at the pool, which was the community pool in Itasca. We'll hang out. Rompin', stompin', bitchin'. Yeah, well, we can just leave it at bitchin'. The, the rompin', stompin' doesn't, we don't really need that because bitchin' people don't need to say rompin', stompin'. But that's just where we, 
that's just where we happen to be at the moment. So, um, and by the way, we we are in the greater sense of the score broadcasting live from Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Now, in the more specific sense of it, I'm broadcasting my from my uh, suburban apartment, and we're never sure where Mark Grody is broadcasting from, but. Past Saturday suckages and meetings of the WB Club, it has been broadcast from the Gary Grody Rehab Center. So fill us in today. I am back in Chicago. the The work release program is over. <laughs> I am. I have now. I am off Gene and Gary's payroll. The rehab <laughs> payroll is over. Gary is is. Gene deemed Gary healthy enough to get around the house in Itasca. So they summarily sent me back to Chicago. So I am in downtown Chicago as we speak, uh, back in my version of the friendly confines after a <laughs> wonderful two weeks with, with Gene and Gary and Itasca, which was really awesome, actually, because that's the most time I've spent in my parents' house since probably I was a child, really, or living when I actually was legitimate in that house so it was it was nice it was nice to to be adults with my parents and to help out gary who's rehab it, it looks like it looks like gary's probably going to make his first rehab start at tennessee but it's not clear just kind of a matter of, of geography at this point iowa might be the better choice just because we're a little closer i would have i would suggest that gary make his rehab choices based on whether their state is spiking with covid 19 uh, positive tests or not. I would I would say that would be the workaround I would use. But we still got that COVID, huh? Yeah, we got that we got that COVID. We we certainly do. And that is getting involved in in every sport. And we have um, we have the NBA trying to come back, but then there is safety issues there. The NHL, we have Patrick Kane saying, Yeah, I love hockey. I want to play hockey. I'm good at hockey. But I don't have a note from the doctor convincing me this is any good. Baseball can't get by the money because the owners keep offering the same amount of money and just try to carve it up three different ways or whatever it is. We'll get to that later. And and football is a bunch of Zoom talks where the Bears finally got the nerve up to put Mitch Trubisky on the on the Zoom call. And he went through questions and answers yesterday. And you were there. So share with us. Give us your scouting report, your rehash. What happened? There's always been, in my world, a bit of T-boneness to Mitch Trubisky. Just no credibility. And then his descent into lousiness last year convinced me that's where this was headed. Are you convinced otherwise? Do you, what thoughts do you have based on what he said to the media yesterday? Mitchell Trubisky took the quarterback competition to a new level yesterday. I was impressed with what he said. I mean, there were some of the the cliche that we hear from any player, but he started the press conference by using the words pissed off, which he repeated later on in the press conference, pissed off in a good way that the Bears signed Nick Foles. He wasn't surprised that they signed Nick Foles, but he 
definitely is pissed off in a good way. So no sugarcoating. And, and you want him to be pissed off. I think that that's what every fan wants to hear. You don't want to hear any cliches and may the best man win and all that crap. He thinks he is the best man. I'll give you two more things that jumped out to me at the, at the press conference. He said, I still feel like this is my team. And I'm thinking, good, take over. Um, and when, once he said that, and he was using words like that, strong words, tough language, that the QB competition is going to be better than I thought it was going to be. Maybe not as friendly as I thought it could be. And yes, he said all the right things about Nick Foles. He clearly respects Nick Foles, but I don't think this is going to be a yuck it up for the cameras. Let's, you know, kumbaya with my quarterback competitor. We're best friends and we're competitive. This is going to, this is two quarterbacks, Steve, in Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. People forget that. These are two guys that if the one, the one that doesn't earn the starting job this year may not ever start again in the NFL because we know that if Mitch doesn't get it, that he's probably going to be destined for backupness, and you never know. Maybe he's a starter. And same for Nick Foles. This is kind of last call for him, too. So I think you're going to hear two guys generally saying the right things, but I think it's going to be a hardcore competition on the field, and better than I thought based on the things that Trubisky was saying yesterday. Last thing, Stevie was when he talked about the fifth-year option. And he did not give a stock answer on that. He didn't default to, that's out of my control, which, and those are words that so many athletes use nowadays. That is that is moved up into the top five of cliches, stock answers, uh, default answers, that it's out of my control. He said he understands that the team, why the team didn't give him the fifth-year option. He said that he could have done more to get extended, and he basically said that he understood that based on what the way he played last year, he kind of said, without saying it exactly, I wouldn't have given myself that extra year either. So, so he understands, and I think that that puts him in a really good place demeanor-wise and attitude-wise because a lot of guys would be like, kind of shrug it off and be like, well, that's their choice, nothing I can do about it. Mitch gets it. So those are three things that I took away from it yesterday. But the number one thing is, man, is it's on. This is this is going to be a fun competition to watch. Go Bears! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, if we get to watch it, if they get to play, I'm still dubious of that because I have not yet to see a solution on it from any sport on how they're actually going to play, not not to mention a, a automatic, guaranteed contact sport. Uh, like football, and so, so I don't know how they're going to do that. But let's go on the assumption. Let's examine the things you brought up. I think they're 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 excellent points. They should be examined. So let's do that. The one where Mitch talked about being pissed off. Let's let's hear. Let's have a Trash Panda there play this cut about him being pissed off when he found out about what what it meant when he found out that Nick Foles had been acquired. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to me, but that was, I mean, that's the business uh, that we're in. Uh, I think I was kind of pissed off in a good way. I've been motivated ever since. I, I've been motivated um, since our season ended last year. I didn't feel like it went the way we wanted to, and uh, we left a lot out there. But um, I'm excited for this year. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be a good competition, and uh, Foles has had a, has a crazy career as well. So it's been cool having him in our room, talking ball. Um, I know we're going to push each other, but I still feel like this is my team. Um, and I'm excited for the competition and just get back on the field with my guys and, and show everybody what I can still do and how hard I've been working this offseason to, um, to help the Bears win games this year. So it's, it, it's been interesting, but, again, it's a business decision, and I'm, I'm all for 
um, the Bears getting better and, and helping us win games. That's Mr. Trubisky yesterday, Mark, and and I, I hear that, and here's the Tebowness I hear in his in his voice in his answer. He's suddenly motivated as if being the second overall draft pick that cost his GM all credibility with the arson committed on the Bears draft capital. That wasn't motivation enough. This has to happen, you know, when as as he reaches the end of his first contract. That just seems so that seems so uncoordinated to me. I think that the when he talks about the motivating, I think that's a bunch of crap. I think that that is to placate, to pander to a certain faction, maybe of the fan base. Perhaps he thinks it sounds good in the media. Because I was saying this before before he said all this that this signing of Nick Foles is not going to motivate Mitchell Trubisky any more than he already is because he is already. An extremely mo like that we know about Mitch Trubisky. Whatever you want to say about the skill level and his inability to read defenses, fine, fine. But he's got the part down that he is motivated just by the way he comports himself in practice, in the locker room, the whole get there first and leave late, and we don't know if that even works. But he, the dude is properly, pro, um, you know, motivated. He is a top line competitor so when he talks about the the extra motivation part i i don't believe that he believes that i think that i think that is something he's just saying okay well he said it you're sort of held to your own words you can live with the consequence you say anything sure. you want you live with the consequences yeah and, and your own credibility or lack of same one of the other things you brought up about his you know his team his relationships and he talked about um, thinking he has an advantage and, and that it's still his team. We have that cut. Yeah, I think because it's a small sample size, I think the advantage goes to me just because I've been the starter here the last two years. These are these are my guys, my teammates, and um, guys I've built super strong relationships over the last two years. But at the end of the day, it comes down to on-field performance. I think we both know that, the coaches know that, and our teammates know that. So um, when, when it comes down to getting on the field um, in training camp and competing against our defense, uh, we just, we just want to go out there and be a, be a better offense and uh, I just got to make sure the offense is better when I'm on the field, doing my job to the best I possibly can, and make sure the I'm giving the Chicago Bears a great chance to win heading into the season. So whatever the sample size is, um, the on-field performance uh, in practices and preseason games, whatever capacity that is, um, I think will determine it. But I'm, I'm excited for the process, and uh, I knew I know it'll be a good, healthy uh, competition with, with all the guys in our room, and we're just going to push each other and, um, and make our team better. Okay, Mark, here's my... Here's my problem with that, is that Foles can read defenses, and Mitch has yet to show that he can on a regular, on a consistent basis. His super, you know, the best super strong relationship with a teammate in my world in, in this, in this area area is a touchdown pass. Trubisky threw 17 last year. That's tied for 27th in the NFL. And just to clarify, that sucks. That's why we're discussing it on Saturday suckage. So I don't know what the super, I know he's organized team activities and he thinks it's his team and and that's wonderful. But one of the things we've always seen, or we, we one of the things we've seen and we come to conclude, and the coach said it pretty much, 
that whatever he does in practice does not translate on the film, on the field, and that starts with reading defenses. What are they doing to you? How can you defeat it? He doesn't. It's like he doesn't know how to watch tape. He doesn't know how to read defenses. He doesn't know how to translate that. What do you make of that? The fact that he is not able to. Well, to the, do that? the is he trying to talk himself into with with this stuff of a super strong relationship with teammates and and um, I'm the starter here. Um, I've th- this is my team. Is he trying to talk himself into that, or if not, who's he trying to convince? I is, think that part part of that is sort of forming team Mitch, you know, to say, look, I this I got these kids. These are my friends. These are not <laughs> these are not Nick Foles' guys. They, Nick Nick doesn't know that Nick's a great guy and a God fearing man and all that. But these are my guys, man. They they if nothing else, these guys like me. So it's I think it's it's Mitch digging in a little bit, and that that's why part of why I concluded by the end of the Zoom call yesterday that it it's going to be a better competition than I had thought in terms of what the guys might say and the way they comport themselves when they are out there. I will say you made a really good point, though, about Mitch practicing well and then it not translating to games. So that makes it really hard. So if Trubisky looks good in practice and he's reading defense as well, how do they know if it's going to translate? how can he actually win the competition then? Because we've seen him read defense as well in practice and play well at Bourbonnais when they were at Bourbonnais, and then it didn't translate the game. So how can they decide in practice whether or not Mitch Trubisky is is the quarterback? So I think that that complicates and muddies the waters a little bit for Trubisky's chances of being the starting quarterback this year. I, and I think that's why most observers – believe that Nick Foles is the starter and will go in, even though Foles doesn't play well as a starter, he's much better. He's With the Eagles, when he's had his greatest success, his whole, the, the idea was that he was coming on, he was the fireman, he was he was coming on in relief, but that that the coaching staff has already seen what he can do in practice and, and what Trubisky can do in practice and then not connect the dots in the games. And Foles has shown in games, in games that matter, the biggest games, what he can do. Uh, it, it, and, and I do think that's why Mitch is, I, I, you want your quarterback to have confidence, but it just sounds like he's, he's howling at the moon, this being his team, because the coaches, if anything, should be, would be biased against him because they've, they've not been able to unlock what he does. I mean, this brings up another point. When he... When he's the he's the guy who gets there first and leaves last, and and if that's true, and he still can't be efficient on the field, is it just his fault? Is it his and Nagy's fault? His and Nagy's in the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach, not being able to connect the dots from practice to play in the games. Whose whose fault is that? Who who's who's responsible? Do you think? Clearly, it was the assistant coaches they fired. Uh, Harry Heastand <laughs> and Mark Helfridge and the rest of the crew. Uh, that's a great question, man. I mean, it has to be 
quality over quantity, and clearly it was reversed last year. It, <laughs> I'd probably say, if I had to answer the question, I'd probably say it's more Mitch Trubisky's fault because it, it, it appears like, like we're not in those rooms, so we don't know for sure what's being said or how things are being teached or how educated Matt Nagy is. But I believe that Matt Nagy is a really smart offensive mind. Um, you know, he has enough strong references around the league to make me believe that. He has enough on his resume to make me believe that. And what he says to us and what he does release to us, he does have a lot of credibility. So I do believe that Matt Nagy is a good teacher. So I would say that it's more a Mitch Trubisky who is not absorbing it. And on, on the serious side, I, I have no idea if the assistants that were fired and the reshuffling that they did, if if those guys hindered his performance, if they weren't good for him. Um, but for whatever it's worth, there is there is one final round of Zoom calls, I've learned, that we have coming up next week, and that is when we will get to talk to and hear from John Filippo and Juan Castillo and Bill Lazor, also Clancy Barone. And I don't know why I say it like that. It just feels like Clancy Barone should be said like that. Uh, but all those guys will be with us on Zoom next week, and then Chuck Pagano as well. So I, we'll see if that plays a part in the quarterback's room. So something didn't go wrong in the message to Mitch last year. What do you think? Are you thinking it's Mitch, or you think it's a bad coaching? I I think it's a combination of Nagy's uh, uh, Mitch's inability to translate whatever he see, whatever happens at practice into games on for whatever he sees, whatever the coach says. And I think it was a coach's failure. He, he seemed to be working most intimately with Mitch. And where this, where this all, the nexus of this for me was the Chiefs game, where you had Pat Mahomes talking about what Nagy meant to him the year before. And Nagy seeing how his working, his educating Mahomes, how his classroom, his talking him through it, whatever he did with Mahomes, Nagy believed would work with Trubisky. It didn't. It wasn't. And yet Nagy did not appear to, if he changed anything, he didn't change to anything successful other than stop trying to make Trubisky be a pocket quarterback and giving him more freedom in the second half of the year where he looked a little more like the Mitch who was who was more successful the year before. But I don't think the coach learned how to teach this quarterback, and I don't think the quarterback learned how to learn in the NFL, and I'm still not convinced that he does. So I think that it's a group effort, and I don't – okay, let's say I'm, let's say I'm right. How would that get solved based based on what you know about the Bears? Who who needs to who needs to do what to make sure that they do that? Or is it just Nick Foles? He watches Nick Foles and Nick Foles absorbs it and talks him through it. And there is that that fraternity even in this competition. Well, yeah, and that's why I I agree with you that I think Nick Foles, despite what I heard yesterday from Mitch Trubisky, I think that I think Trubisky's approval rating went up yesterday. Like he caught up a few points with Falls, but I think Falls is still the guy that's going to be the starter. And I agree with you. I think what you know Matt Nagy's problem was he overestimated what Mitchell Trubisky could absorb. So hopefully, hopefully he sees that and he knows that and he comports himself. If it is Trubisky, if Trubisky is the starter, which will probably also connote that he can absorb more, but that he goes back to running the offense, 
a little bit more similarly to what he did in 2018, where mm-hmm. he allowed Trubisky to have that freedom. I mean, he demanded in, in camp last year from day one, really of OTAs, that Mitch Trubisky be passer first and, and let the weapons be the weapons, let the playmakers be playmakers. And I think that that conflicted Mitchell Trubisky's head a little bit in terms of, well, I see this 15 yards of open space in front of me, but coach wants me to throw to the playmaker, so I'm going to throw this 10-yard out to Tariq Cohen, who's going to go out of bounds or get ransacked right there. So, you know, I, I think that he has to – he's got to play, Kate. He's got to play more to the skills of Trubisky, which I think I think Nagy in some ways failed to do last year. And he might even run the ball, you think? No, come on. No, no, let's not I, get carried. No, I think. Yeah, I guess I, I'm on the same LSD that Doc Ellis was when he threw that no hitter. I'm just being that way. And we will talk <laughs> about that later too. Let me tell you what's coming up on the show, Mark, because I'm not sure you know. And even if you do, just act like you know. We'll do that phony baloney showbiz thing great. at noon. And yeah, there you go. Yeah, you say great, and then you put your hand out for some freebie. Uh, Lawrence Holmes. Hey, he, Lawrence. Uh, I like yes, Lawrence. Yes, I love Lawrence. Um, Lawrence had me very emotional a couple Mondays ago, and it forced me to examine things about myself. We talked about him last week, uh, on, especially during the Wegner uh, portion of the show. Lawrence will join us at noon. He is hosting a panel of pro athletes in a show called Race in America, A Candid Conversation. It will be tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Chicago. Jason Hayward, Alan Robinson, Thaddeus Young, Sam Ocho. They'll all be there to discuss their reactions to the death of George Floyd, comment on the state of race relations, the need for change, and how, and really how sports plays a big part in this. Sports has always played a big part in this, and in, in this city with these athletes. And we certainly heard from Sam Ocho last week. Um, he was, I, I got a text from Somebody, uh, my former Chicago Tribune, said, I want to suit up for that guy right now. And that's that's how powerful and compelling it was. Lawrence will be here at noon. At 1 o'clock, Bob Costas will be here. He is scheduled to join us. Sunday night is the doc. It's Sosa McGuire, long gone summer. Um, Bob Costas, and I can't say his name without saying Bob Costas from that Saturday <laughs> Night Live Bob Costas. Thing. Bob Costas eating a burrito in Tampa Bay. He, uh, he is scheduled to join us, talk about the documentary, talk about baseball. One of the things about Costas that you, you, you might not know, you might have forgotten. If you go back to 1990, Cecil Fielder was struggling to get to 50 home runs, the first time somebody would have done it since Foster in 1977. There was a Cecil Fielder watch in 1990 to get to 50 home runs. Six years later, Brady Anderson, the stick figure known as Brady Anderson, was hitting 52. Costas was doing Major League Baseball, was calling it broadcasting games, and said, something's wrong here. Hmm. And, and we found out what was what it was. We will talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about the the documentary. We'll talk to him about Sosa McGuire and, and what has to be mixed feelings about the whole thing. And after that show at 10 p.m. on the score right here on this very radio station that inexplicably continues to put on Saturday suckage from 11 to 2 each Saturday. 
Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, and Bruce Levine will be live on The Score. Special show reacting to the show and interacting with you, the audience. And we'll have that show on Radio.com. You can get it on our Rewind feature. But Pat broadcasts all of Sammy's games that season. Ron played in the majors with Sammy, and Bruce covered everything, the drama that unfolded. I'm most interested to see that. And so that will be our talk with Costas will coming up at 1 o'clock. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage. And there's something else that Matt Nagy said last week and has been an issue, will be an issue for a lot of teams, especially in the NFL. So, Mark, I want to talk to you about that, about the coach, as long as we're talking about race and we're talking about protests because it's impossible to get away from it. And there's the Bears coach saying something I just don't quite understand. Okay? You good with that? All righty then. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You crazy? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome in welcome back top of the hour we'll talk to lawrence holmes of the score every weekday from 12 to 2 but we'll talk to him about his panel discussion with Chicago athletes, Race in America, a candid conversation. It'll be on Chicago. It'll be NBC Sports Chicago uh, at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Time's up nicely if you're going to then watch the Sosa doc, Sosa McGuire doc. And after that, the score will be broadcasting live with Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, and Bruce Levine taking your calls. And text. Our tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. And the text line has been 
the A15 is is being heard from. I think Mitch is a good guy, and I'm rooting for him. That said, he's a bunch a bundle of cliches about being fired up and working hard with his guys, and his claims about the Bears being his team are shades of Mike Lennon and his year. I hadn't made that comparison, but that sounds really good. Doesn't that sound like Mike Lennon? This is my year. This is my team. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did say that. <laughs> he did. He did get the bundle of cash, and then they went and drafted Mitchell Trubisky. I, I have a um, a text here I'd like to address. Eight four seven says, "Really, Mark? What exactly on Nags's resume stands out?" I would say, I would say twelve and four does stand out, and I get it. The offense wasn't great. I would also say that when you get a strong letter of recommendation from Andy Reid. That should not be passed by. His work in Kansas City is what led to him being a hot candidate to be a head coach. So I think that, you know, we talk about resume. It's it's sort of the things you did before you got your first big job. So I, I do think, I, do, I still do think that Matt Nagy knows what he's talking about. I believe he's a smart guy. I do believe that he has struggled at times in adjusting as a head coach, and he has made mistakes as a young head coach in the league. That doesn't mean that you can't still be a really smart football mind and eventually be a really good head coach. There's no doubt he's struggled, but I do think the resume looks good, and I do think that he'll he'll figure it out eventually. Do you still think that Matt Nagy um, will be a good head coach, and do you think that, that he knows what he's doing, Steve, or am I just crazy? I I. I don't think he comes with a scheme. Whatever the Andy Reid tree is and the way Andy thinks, I think Matt Nagy has a bunch of, uh, like, he, as if he has a three-ring binder with a bunch of neato torpedo plays that he's drawn up as if he were, you know, it was our class, and he said, I could do this, I could do that, look at this. And, and I think that that creates the idea, that creates his playbook of we can do this, we can do that, and pretty shiny things. And I get that. Because that works in a lot of places. I do like the way he showed some learning curve Mm -hmm. with Trubisky. We talked about that last segment about how he tried to make him a pocket quarterback and finally gave up on that and said, okay, we're going back to what you do best. Now, he was late doing that. He didn't see enough because he didn't let him play in any – exhibition games to see if there was going to be any hint that he could he could do that. He saw him in practice where practice is a lie. That's really what Matt Nagy needs to learn quickly. Matt, Mitch Trubisky in practice is a lie because it doesn't translate into games. So he finally figured out in games, this guy needs this guy needs to be moving. We need to move around. We need to cut the field in half. We need to let him throw on the run. He's more accurate doing that. The one thing, so that would, that showed a good learning curve. What didn't was any commitment to the run. And if he had mm-hmm. any idea how to commit to the run, how to see if it would work, and he did it in the first game against Green Bay, a team that would go on to give up 100 yards plus rushing in the next four weeks, you might have seen the Bears go a different direction, and you certainly would have seen that coach do that. So I guess the question now, your, well, let me rephrase your question. Would Matt Nagy be that stubborn or short-sighted next season? And I don't think so. Do you? Right. If it's if it's working, stick with it, as in the run game. Don't abandon it after one one-yard loss. 
And when things are going poorly in the passing game, like the, the Green Bay game to start the year last year, don't stick with it just because that is is your playbook. I do think, to answer your question, that, yes, he'll, he's been talking about it since the Combine in February that he says, yes, I've got to be better, and I'm paraphrasing, be better at playing to the talent of the guys that I have on the field and knowing where they are in their development, knowing where they are in their talents and their skills and, and going with that as opposed to just blindly reading plays out of my playbook without looking what's actually on the field. So I think he will. And I think, you know, he has to, he has to. And I think he knows that now. And that's the one of the things about Matt Nagy too, is that he's made mistakes and he admits them not every single time, but he's not afraid to say, yeah, that I probably shouldn't have done that. Or I've got to get better at this. So yeah, you, you hope he does because if he doesn't, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah. It's not just admitting it though. It's, it's actively changing. And we saw some of that. We did not see enough of that because he, remember, he came in, he walked into that meeting with, with uh, Ryan Pace. And boy, was Ryan Pace fired up. Ryan Pace is fired up because Ryan Pace is fired up. He's fired up. Mitch is fired yeah. up because Ryan Pace is fired up. We're fired up. And he walked into that after that failed Kansas City playoff. We're fired game. up about that. Yeah. And we're fired up about, about Matt Nagy taking full responsibility for the awful second half. We're fired up. Yeah, and we're fired up that we have a coach who can admit it was his fault. But here's the thing, and it's most acute with a coach, manager, whatever it is. Coaching or managing the game that's in front of you, the game that's there. And that, on on Nagy's part, needs a lot of improvement. Some of it involves a quarterback, some involves a running game. Um, And the running game doesn't just serve the quarterback, it serves your defense. Make them better by giving them more rest. There's a lot that goes on with that. And I, and Matt Nagy doesn't always coach the game in front of him. He coaches to his worst, most creative, most pretty shiny impulses. I don't think that's improved necessarily. Do you? Did I miss something in the second half of the year where that changed? Well, it did a little bit. It changed a little bit after that the tragic game against the Saints where they carried the ball seven times for 19 yards. And then you <laughs> at that point, that's when... That's when you started to hear a name, J.P. Holtz. That's where you started to see an extra offensive lineman be put in. So it wasn't like drastic of a change, but yeah, yeah, he did he did tone things down a little bit. That was also, if you remember, after that Saints game, that's where they held the players-only meeting, and that players-only meeting had to do with we've got to run the ball more. So. Even though it didn't, he didn't work it to perfection. I mean, that playbook was not the same after that, after the Saints game. Now, now he's got to, now he's got to commit to it though, and he's got to make a toned down version of the playbook actually work because even the toned down version didn't really work. And Cornelius Lucas, that was the extra offensive lineman I was trying to trying to think of. So yeah, <laughs> Cornelius Lucas and J.P. Holt were your answers after that Saints game. I thought my answer was Jesper Horstead. I am. We are all oh, Jesper yeah. Horstead. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Matt Nagy set off my BS detector, and I want to share it with you and see what you think. By the way, we talked about the text line, and the phone number for the text line is the same, which to reach us with a breaking phone call, as uh, Trash Panda would, would break in and tell us. 312-644-6767. One number. 
two ways to abuse us. We're here for you. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Saturday Suckage, we suck so you don't have to. We know you're appreciative. You don't need to let us know. We do it because we're pleasers, not teasers. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Yo, 1147, Chicago Sports Radio, 670-The Score, Saturday Suckers with Steve Rosenblum and Mark Grody. And top of the hour, we'll talk with Lawrence Holmes, scores host from midday host from 12 to 2. Talk about a roundtable about race in America. He will have a panel discussion with Chicago with some local athletes. He will he will be hosting tomorrow on NBC Sports Chicago. And I can think of no better person to do to host such a panel discussion. Uh, we'll talk with him at the top of the hour. One o'clock hour, we're scheduled to talk with Bob Costas about Sosa McGuire, the long gone summer doc, and baseball's current situation. Uh, you saw him a lot in in the last dance. He called Michael Jordan's last shot for the Bulls. And, you know, I, I guess that makes him one of the two greatest basketball ball announcers there is so we will talk to him about that but first my bs detector went off matt Nagy was talking about he was asked on one of the zoom calls um will you let what about kneeling are you gonna let your players kneel what are you gonna do if they kneel is it okay to kneel and he said i wish i could answer it better for you because it's a great question it's a perfect question which sounds like, to me, is like he's playing the Bears fans for stupid. You can answer the question. You can say yes. It's part of the Bears' commitment to Black Lives Matter and to the ongoing racial injustice and police brutality where white cops are murdering black individuals. And Nagy said, I just haven't done it yet. So this, this is a man whose life is all about what-ifs. And any game plan, any week, any situation... And you're telling me the Bears hadn't discussed kneeling. I mean, this is this is a franchise that came out with the strongest team statement of any NFL team. George McCaskey has been terrific on this, and the video he did with Sam Ocho was was moving. It was very compelling. And Matt Nagy is wants us to believe play Bears fans for stupid that you haven't discussed players kneeling? A, a, a poll showed 52% of Americans believe Colin Kaepernick was right four years ago. That's up from 37% in the way he protested. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, Bill O'Brien, who might be an idiot as a GM, but as a head coach, he was asked in a similar environment that Matt Nagy was, yeah, I'll take a knee. He answered, yeah, I'll take a knee. I'm all for it. The players have a right to protest, a right to be heard, a right to know who they are, a right to be who they are. They're not taking a knee because they're against our flag. They're taking a knee because they haven't been treated equally in this country for over 400 years. So why can't, why couldn't Matt Nagy say that? I don't know, but there there certainly are some inconsistency from the Bears players about this issue. And I guess I should just circle a couple of guys, and mainly Jordan Lucas. I don't know if you heard Jordan Lucas. Jordan Lucas is a, a Bears safety. 
a one-year contract, brought him over from Kansas City. He's going to be a special teams guy. Jordan Lucas said, unlike the rest of the Bears that we spoke to this week about the kneeling issue, he said he's going to kneel no matter what, no matter what. And, and you know, the, the, the follow-up was, well, what about, you know, the rest of the team? And Jordan Lucas kind of said in as respectful of a way as possible, I don't care what the rest of the team does, I am going to kneel because he regrets not having done it earlier in his career when he didn't feel like he had the power and or support um, to to do something like that. Whereas most of the Bears players have said, well, it's going to be a team thing. We're going to find out. I, I think that a couple things. I think that the, the I hope that owners and coaches stay out of it that this should be a completely a player decision and maybe even individual, maybe not even a team thing that whomever the team captains are to say, Hey guys, it's up to you. However you want to handle this is totally fine. And then Robert Quinn spoke as well. And he, he was kind of the tenor of his conversation that pertains to that was just kind of throwing his arms up in the air saying, look, we've done this in the past and people take it wrong. You know, they, they say that we're disrespecting the flag. So I don't know what the hell to do. And to the point where he became emotional. And then it made me start to think maybe they're, maybe they need to change course. Maybe they need to do something different, you know, something dramatic um, and different. And I don't know, some things came to my brain, like stopping in the middle of a quarter, maybe, maybe, you know, on second down and at the 530 mark of the first quarter, everybody stops and kneels and, you know, for two minutes or whatever. And and then you have high recognition. You can't help but broadcasting it. So, you know, that's just one idea. But, you know, for Robert Quinn, almost sounded like it's not effective anymore. Whereas Jordan Lucas says, damn it, I'm doing it. I don't care what anybody else says. I think Robert Quinn, with all due respect, I, I get the frustration. We've been doing this. We've been doing this. We've been doing this, and it hasn't worked. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see. I don't see giving up being a good thing. I can see the frustration. I could hear it. I could. I could not support giving it up because I do think that poll that I, I that I referenced earlier shows Americans coming around to understanding it. You repeat the message. You give different examples. You show how it is every time. Unfortunately, there's always a next time when it comes to a, a, a black Amer- African-American getting murdered by a white cop. And unfortunately, there are continuing examples. But the perseverance, the persistence in that message, and when you talk about the, the protests, and you're talking about the most peaceful of protests, one that was suggested by a Green Beret to Colin Kaepernick, uh, I think that's... A continuing way to go. And I think that now that it's become accepted, people like Jordan Lucas, let's hear the way he said it and what he believes in, in keeping up this same kind of, of protest. Trash panda. Some players have already talked about kneeling. Do you plan to kneel uh, as part of your demonstration? 110% I plan to kneel. Um, 2016, my rookie year, um, as many of you can probably guess, I was scared to kneel. Um, I didn't want to lose my position on the team. I didn't want to be looked at differently just by front office or my coaches just because I didn't I didn't have a name. I didn't really have a spot on the team. I didn't want to lose anything. I'm just I just got there. You know what I'm saying? But but um I think a lot of people are seeing now that it's much bigger than just it's much bigger than the 
the flag and disrespecting the flag. We're not disrespecting the flag nor the military, you know, and I think people are really starting to understand that now. And that's my point, Mark. Jordan Lucas said it very well. Um, he, he sounded a lot like Akeem Hicks. We talked about that last week when he said he was afraid to, 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 to show any kind of sign of protest because he, he was afraid of losing his job. And Jordan Lucas said the same thing. So I think that's working. And I think that's something we should run by Lawrence Holmes at the top of the hour. And yeah, absolutely. And actually, Lawrence, you know, uh, we're going to talk to him about the, sh- the great show that, that they have coming up on NBC Sports Chicago about race relations in America. But also, he he did speak to Theo Epstein as well, who had some powerful words in, in those regards. Um, and he spoke to Ed Howard. So there's a whole lot of things um, that we could speak to, to Lawrence Holmes about in getting his his thoughts, his poignant ideas on that. But I, I, th- I want to go back to, to Robert Quinn again. I, I get what you're saying, Steve, that more people than ever understand what the real message is and what's going on. But there's still there's still enough, I think, that, that well, they understand, but they, they don't want to hear it. And I think that Robert Quinn's point is that any diluting of the message, uh, for lack of a better word, sucks and it is not helping them. But... I don't know if they feel like there's going to be more people than ever, like truly like 70, 80 percent understanding what they're doing, then good. But if it's less than that and is diluting the message, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe something different. You know, the word equality is as simple as it gets. And the idea that I am that to paraphrase Colin Kaepernick, I'm protesting peacefully protesting police brutality against African-Americans white police are murdering African-Americans. And I think it's as simple as that. And the message doesn't always get across the first time, the first year, maybe not even the first decade or the first century, but you keep fighting for it. And, and I think we've reached a, a tipping point here and I'm, I'm very happy to see it. I, I think that I want that persistence to pay off. We'll talk to Lawrence about that. He's Mark Grody, I'm Steve Rosenblum. We'll talk to Lawrence Holmes the mid on from 12 to 2 on the score monday through friday and we are the score chicago sports radio 670. we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 